Yo, what is good, people? It's your boy Amit China passing by to wish my friends Swami Barakas and Jojo B an amazing, amazing congratulations on their 50th podcast on the native immigrant. I just want to say keep up the good work, keep representing, and I look forward to being back on it again. All the very best and congratulations. Peace. Hi, this is Chapchi Cole. I want to say a huge big up to Native Immigrants for completing 50 episodes of their wonderful podcast. Congratulations, guys. I look forward to hearing more from you. Love the banter. Please keep it coming. Take care. See you soon after COVID-19. Hello, Native Immigrants crew. This is your good immigrant, Nika Shukla here. Just congratulating you on 50 incredible, informative, brilliant essays. Big up Swami Barakas and Jojo underscore B. Keep going, keep doing it. Here's to 50 more. Peace. Hi guys, it's Rita Morar here. I'd just like to wish the native immigrants a huge, huge congratulations and big love for their 50th episode. Man, I can't believe you guys have got to your 50th episode and they're all so amazing. I will always especially remember the coconut galire. That will just never leave me. But listen, Swami Barakas and Jojo underscore B, keep up the amazing work that you guys do. You are making a positive impact into our community and I love you both for that keep it up and you will always have my support take care and congratulations salutations and welcome to another episode of the native immigrants i'm your host swami barakas and as always i'm joined by my co-host jojo underscore b what's going on jojo b hi all right so just get it off your chest now what's that then just get it get it out of the open now do it all now do it before we start the show just just <laughs> go for it and do it i won i won and i already knew that I would win because I was right in the first place. And it wasn't a discussion. It wasn't a debate. It was just fact. Punjabi curry is better than Gujarati curry. Yes. That's yeah. what's come out from the feedback from last week. But I'm not even talking about that, bruv. Are you not? No. What are you talking about? I think you should get this off your chest and out in the open now. I don't know what you're talking about. Because <laughs> um, Jojo B has this um, fixation I feel, over the course of all of our shows, of every time there is a landmark episode or something really important that we try to surprise everyone with, you ruin it from the start. So I didn't get a chance to talk about the build-up with how colossal this whole thing is. And so I thought, I'm going to give you an opportunity oh, right now to mess this all up. And so then we can start afresh. I don't mess things up. You just feel like you need to leave everyone hanging for ages. And I'm just like, well, we've had a bit of hanging and now let's just get on with it. Mm. Because then I can, you know, get back to watching my TV programs. This is what I mean. Like, <laughs> So for Jojo B, more than the sanctity of this podcast, she's more interested in watching, is it Gilmore Girls? Gilmore for Girls. like the third time fourth, now? Fourth, fourth time. <laughs> Not content with rinsing it for three 
whole viewings. She's now on her fourth visit. Listen, yeah, like, it's because like, of the massive lack of programs that there are currently out you, there right now. To that watch. program, I don't need to pay attention to it. It's like having a holiday from my brain and from my mind and from the world. I just I put it on and I literally just zone out. And I have no idea what's going on in the rest of the world. I don't even know what's going on in my own brain. I'm just staring at the screen mindlessly. And it's beautiful. It's like, you know, when you go on holiday and you just look at like, you look out the window, you see the pool or you see the sea or whatever. And it's just like relaxing. Mm. That's that Gilmore Girls is the TV equivalent of that. But then why do you constantly complain to me about programs that we don't get a chance to watch because we don't find the time in the day to watch them. Because those are shared programs and you're always too busy to watch them with me. And so I can't watch them on my own because then I'm like, oh, but then, you know, he would like this and I feel I can't enjoy it because I know you would enjoy it. And so it'd be really nice to watch it together. So then I just don't watch anything. Do you see what, you know why I'm busy? Because I'm carrying this podcast on my back alone. (laughs) And it's, he does all the editing and all of the, you know, the putting together and all the, and you know, the promo. And, yeah, what do you mean? And promo, bugger off! I I've do a bit of promo to get you to do any kind of promo. I raise like, our child. I'm almost like, so... please, Jocks, for the sake of our podcast, one that we co-host. Do you mind? I'm sorry. Do you mind just putting that one little thing saying the new podcast? That is that okay? All right, fine. No, f- I try. I it. start writing things and then our darling little Bubba will just grab my phone off Do my phone. Do not fo- use my son as an no, excuse. Thank he you He grabs much. it out of my hands now and just goes, Daddy? Daddy? Because there's a picture of you on my phone. Mm. And also he thinks that like whenever I'm on the phone to anyone, I'm talking to you. So he's just screaming, Daddy! And I, I mean, might be talking to room. like, you know, the delivery man who's trying to find our place. But he's going, Daddy! I'm like, this guy is not your daddy. He's not your he daddy. better not be your da- <laughs> This is not some like 70s fucking, you know, like B grade, C grade films that used to watch in these kind of you know, dirty cinemas. <laughs> I was scrolling and stuff, Confessions through. of a delivery driver or some shit. I was scrolling through Instagram this morning and he was looking over my shoulder and he saw this picture. Like, like scantily clad men on there, which is what you no, normally check out. No, shut up. That's just Chris Hemsworth. But no, this is this is a picture of um, Karamo and Tan from Queer Eye. Mm. And he pointed at the picture and just went, Daddy? <laughs> I mean... The thing is that I, I wouldn't... And I was like, which one's daddy? But tell me who daddy is. And he's just pointing just at, you know, at the picture. So I don't know if he just didn't know if it was Karama or, or Tan. But um, he would happily take either one as his daddy. But obviously that's not physically possible because they're both gay men. Yeah, but I'd say, I'd like to, I'd like to so, think that you don't really have a shot at either of them. Yeah, so, I mean, they would have had nothing to do with me. Yeah, bless you. It's fine. They're both beautiful men, but it's fine. Mm. I'm okay. Right. Right. You're his daddy. Yes. Yeah. I, I am his dad. Uh, I'm also co-host of this, The Native Immigrants. And so what I was trying to get at was the fact that, you know, every time there is a big thing happening with our show, um, I have a, a massive build up and I've got all these things planned and how we're going to, you know, get this out and build up the anticipation for this and then just like surprise people with it. You should but, play like the Jaws music or something, like really build up the tension. And then uh, while that's happening, and then and then Jojo B will say, so at the end uh, he gets shot by the sheriff guy, and just spoil it. Is that what happens at the end of Jules? I can't remember. It's been so long since we watched the end of it. We always watch it and then fall asleep before the end because it's on really late. Richard Schneider. Schneider. 
Schneider, it's not Schneider, is it? Which is Schneider. Oh, I can't remember. But yeah, the main guy, <laughs> he basically, you know, he puts like a like a gas cylinder tank in his mouth, oh, and then yeah. and he goes, "Smile, you son of a." Yeah. That's the end oh of Jaws. Oh my god, I haven't seen the end of Jaws for so long. Mm. Let's watch that. It's such a brilliant film. Okay, let's let, see. This is the thing. You, you, anything to take you out of the fucking responsibility of doing this podcast, isn't it? I, I try. You know what? You know what, listeners? I've tried for three and a bit seasons to try to get Jojo B to contribute fifty percent uh, to this. She Look, wants yeah, to be class I'm as here. a co-host. I'm here, and wow. I speak, and I interact with you, and I love doing this podcast. But then you just like get out of the way, and so I, like I get out of the way, and I go and I go and look after our home. So I take that burden off you, so that you can sit in front of the computer and do your bits. Right. All right. Well, let's let's not let's not continue digressing. We're already like seven minutes into the show. I said we had to make this a snappy one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because she wants to she wants to hurry up and finish this show so you can go watch some more fucking Gilmore Girls. No, I want to do some coloring. All right. Okay. Okay. Color after this. Okay. Right. So this episode of the Native Immigrants is our fiftieth episode. I mean, that's a pretty big thing, Jojo. I've got celebration in my head. Yeah, it's a kind of... It's pretty much the tune that we play every time there's a big celebration on our show. Um, because you've already like, thrown it to people that this is what's happening. But it is our 50th episode. Like, big up yourself. Big up me, then. Sorry, then fuck you. You know what I'm I too busy singing. Nobody needs to hear me sing, but I make you... I think I sing on every episode. So our fiftieth episode, like Jojo V's on drugs, fam. You must be like snorting lines to celebrate this massive achievement for us. Oh, I bloody wish. Um, fifty shows. I I legitimately never thought we'd make it past like ten. Ep- I always thought ten episodes of our podcast is what I, what I envisaged from the offset. That that's how many we'd end up. Just making. the ten. Just the ten. Yeah, because I just thought like you're gonna. You know, I know you. You lose interest in things very very quickly. And so it would have been a point where... So rubbish. You're so mean to me. It's so, tr- it's so true. Like, Jojo V is like the queen of hobbies dropped. And this would have been no, another one. I am a, 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 a jack of all trades. Master of none. Hence but the reason yes, why... Yes, I don't master anything. But I do like to just, you know, like pick and choose things. And just see how I get on. But see, with this thing, there's a lot of uh, invested interest um, for both of us because we did put this together three years ago three years ago 2018 2018 two Two years years ago ago, two years ago now um with no expectations and here we are 50 episodes later still delivering i know topics of agenda on a week-to-week basis yeah we should be celebrating this with glasses of champagne yeah where's the bubbly at fam still in the cupboard i forgot to put it in the fridge great (laughs) so like yeah i take care of the home don't do the basic shit do you look did you eat your roti today Yes. There you go then. Shut up. Wow. I mean, they were the right shape today, which is always a massive plus. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a massive, massive thing. Um, and I don't know. I, I kind of feel like, you know, this episode, uh, we could have tackled more coronavirus stuff. Uh, we which just is need a break. From, I need a break from it. Yeah. it's It obviously is at the forefront of all of our minds. Um, you know, we can't 
you know, underestimate the severity of this global pandemic, just from the stuff that we see on the news, the number of casualties on a day-to-day basis, it's horrendous. And also we're getting more and more unfortunate kind of news from our family and friends as well about how they've been affected and, you know, and it's, it's hitting very close to home now. Yeah. But um, sometimes you just, you have to step out of it if you can and just take a step away yeah. and just have, even if it's just for a few minutes, just a complete shut off away from the news yeah. and just take your mind elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. Hence my Gilmore Girls obsession at the moment because it's just a happy place where things like this don't happen there. Mm, that's true. It was a, it's a life away from what's happening right now in the world. Um, But we decided on our 50th episode to take our minds away from everything that's happening in the world currently by looking back at our world over the last three seasons. Uh, I remember like in between seasons one and two, we promised everyone a highlight show uh, of our favorite moments. Um, Obviously akin to most of our promises, it never got fulfilled. Um, So... (laughs) We decided here on our 50th episode, and now that we're at home with little to do, it was to look back at our favorite moments over the course of the last 50 episodes. Yeah. Uh, And the things that basically were, you know, most personal to us, uh, stuff that we found the most hilarious, uh, and some of the most important bits, I think, um, from some of our favorite shows. Yeah. Um, and, And so, yeah, it's been painstaking because we've got 50 episodes of this shit but we've managed to whittle it down to five choices each yep of our favorite bits so to kick things off numero uno Mm -hmm. from my choices was episode one i've always felt episode one like it would it was a kind of make or break really okay um, it was in anything in life. The first thing is always a make or break. The pilot, whether we, you know, get enough of an interest from people, whether we get any kind of response from people, positive response, kind of determines whether it's worth going ahead with something or not. So number one was always going to be the most important show, and it was just us arguing with each other the whole time. I think one of yeah the thing with our you know with devising the concept behind this show you know a show that focuses on news issues and topics within the British Asian community because at the time you know there was hardly any podcasts from British Asians it was just Satman's one really and there was a handful of others um, that talked about these kind of things and so there was a real need for something like this um, that's what we felt. Yeah, we just want to bring the discussion. Yeah, you know, out into the open. Um, And so I always felt that our our shows were always going to be serious shows. (laughs) And then our first one happened. Yeah. How wrong was I? (laughs) Um, In in that the first, I think, like half of the whole show just was just us and the way we are. And I guess I should have kind of realized because of the way we are in our conversations that it would probably reflect that in the show as well. But, you know, the level of which, you know, our our banter was exposed to the world <laughs> was alarming. Um, but it was really um, uh, an eye-opener for us in terms of the response and the reaction that we got from that show was mostly from so many people talking about us and our chemistry and our conversation rather than 
the the issues and the news and the topics that we spoke about. And what I've found in every subsequent show for the last 49 <laughs> previous to this one is we have a specific listener of audience that only listens to that half of the show and they switch it off basically at half time. I mean, in one way, that's a compliment because they just love the fact that they want to have some insight into what our marriage or just any kind of Asian marriage is like, yeah. like modern British Asian marriage, which I think we're quite typical of. Um, but but also, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, switching off before the second half where we inform you and educate you yeah. on various different topics that are very important. Yeah. Listen. Yeah, no, absolutely. But, you know, whatever tickles your fancy is absolutely fine with us. Um, but we make sure that we appease both sides of our, our personalities in that way um, and to ensure that we give the best level of entertainment and the best level of you know, discussion, debate, and news. Um, and so our first episode, I actually explained to people the reasons behind devising the show and how we went about doing it. You know what? I was, I, my, my thought process was th this podcast, <laughs> all right? This podcast. The reasons for us doing this podcast. Okay. Yeah, back to the agenda. Back to the agenda. The reasons for us actually doing this podcast was one, because we're bored. Yeah. You know, uh, two, it was to save our marriage. What? Because we're on the brink, bruv. We are on the brink. But I'm like. You keep saying this to me, and I don't know what brink he's on the edge of, but I'm not anywhere near it. It's because I can't get my wife to sit in one place in front of a microphone. And even in that time, she Do you has know to. why? Because I'm busy washing the dishes or washing your pants. That's why. This, this, is, this is true. Jojo B's life, she culminated all those years she's talking about getting new jobs at Spice Affair, from Spice Affair and getting these amazing places. It culminated in her pretty much washing my boxer shorts on a, on a weekly basis. Wish she could see my face right now because <laughs> she's thinking about basically what, the what could have been tomorrow. yeah exactly I could, you could have been a contender <laughs> you know what I mean you could have done something with your life and you have this is the pinnacle of your existence you know this right <gasps> now this moment now. right now is the pinnacle of your existence um, but anyway this so, is as good as it gets <laughs> this is as good as it's ever going to be for you oh so God. you know soak it in just, just lap it in if you do listen to it just let everybody else know that you've listened to it and then tell them to listen and then maybe we can you know be back on radio again, Spice FM. <laughs> this is what this is. This is basically... I'm trying to get him to move back to Newcastle is what I'm trying to do. This is an audition tape, really, for Jojo B, who's really left... It's been a stagnant life. You know, like stagnant someone's... Stagnant life? What you're been, about? You've been stuck in like kind of, you know, like, um, like you know, stuck in suspended animation for the last like five years, trying to find ways to get back into broadcast and get your voice back out there. I'm giving you this platform. And yet you're still... He's giving me this platform. Yeah. And I think... I paid half of this equipment. Thanks very much. You know, we've, we've gone all out here. You know, we've gone all out. And this is, um, this, this, this is what I do. We could set up a pirate radio station. I don't think that's even... Is that a thing? Is that a thing, isn't it? No, I'm no. pretty sure that people still do that. I think Corrupt maybe, FM up, do it. maybe up in Newcastle, Corrupt FM is a parody show. If you go up to How Newcastle, you? maybe so people, people still... So many people think that's real and I, I like to believe that it's real. There's a thing, okay... There's a thing, I don't know, like, I might show you, maybe after the show, um, it's called the, um, the internet. And what the internet enables you to do is to have your own radio shows where people can listen online. You don't need to get piracy. This is what I married. I'm, you this married is what someone... I have to deal with every day. 
she's married someone who basically you tells know you the lot truth. who want to get married and you keep going on about how you would wish you were married this is what i married this is what you could have married you're still talking over me so is this your life love? disrespectful good times in episode one <laughs> Tell you loads of energy yeah but i'm amazed to think that literally nothing has changed either no because that's the essence of our marriage yeah Oh, it just makes me feel really fuzzy and happy inside. Yeah, I know. Jojo B, give me give me a selection. Well, funnily enough, you picked episode one. I picked episode two. I, and okay, so okay, before we put it out there, we are not going to do this and no. say, and my next selection is episode three. And then we go back and forth for 50 times. But episode two was basically where the idea of this all kind of came from. So we had been having a chat on our sofa about, remember that Nike ad that came out? Yeah, the about, London advert. Yeah, and we were just like, where's the Asians? Mm. <laughs> well, like, do we not count? And um, and our conversation had stemmed from there. And then we were like, oh, well, what if we, what if we put this out on the internet? And so that's why we started the podcast. Yeah. And we kind of set it up with episode one, with just who we are and all that kind of stuff. And then we moved on to the topic. Yeah. About whether we were culturally re- relevant as a ethnic group, mm-hmm. uh, given that we've had a presence in Britain for, you know, many, many years. And um, why hadn't we had more of an in- in- important cultural impact? Yes. And uh, yeah, it was just a really, really interesting debate. It was really interesting. Oh, shut up. But it was like, it was very, I don't know, It was. A, I felt really passionate about it, and so did you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we obviously were covering the three main areas of uh, the being culturally relevant, I guess. So there was sport, there was TV, and then there was and film, and then there was music. Yeah. And so we ran the gamut, basically, across the scale on where we thought we were lacking um across all three of those um different platforms did you get told off for not talking about books as well didn't we yeah we got told off for not talking <laughs> about books um the thing is we like 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 you said where are the asians and do we not count i think you can apply that to pretty much every different you know industry across the whole of the uk yeah and um you know except for the nhs big up ourselves right now um yep but then, you know, we we are underrepresented in a lot of things across the media. And it was an opportunity for us to really talk about it. And because, like I keep reiterating, who else was talking about this at the time? Yeah. There wasn't anyone. There was no one. And there was, I think there's this like kind of lack of willingness to accept the fact that we aren't seen as culturally relevant. Mm. And it's still, we're still not seen that way yeah i agree and it was just a really really important discussion to have i thought to get to get the idea out there that actually we need to stop living in this bubble of you know of course we're important because you know the brown pound and all of that kind of stuff and no we're not important because we don't have that cultural status and, and kudos that some other communities have and yet we have a very rich culture amongst our communities. Mm. So why isn't that out there? Why isn't that made an impact? And yeah, that's why I thought I'd choose this episode. 
I don't know how you think about it. It's Jojo underscore B. Mm-hmm. But I've kind of felt that there's been a kind of like a, a timeline on, on British Asians in the UK when it comes to media. And that is pre Bendit Like Beckham and post Bendit Like Beckham. Okay. And it's, 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 uh, you know, it's not coincidental that Bendit Like Beckham came out the year after 9-11. And for me, it was one of the last kind of films that, um, or one of the last few films that really represented what I feel British Asian is all about. Uh-huh. And that was a great mix of uh, what's uh, very fundamentally um, uh, embedded in your cultural roots, as yeah. well as the level of integration in the UK and how much you know, the British side of you is being represented. Um, and for me, there were some amazing films before that, before Benela Beckham came out, you know, whether we're talking about um, Barge on the Beach, uh, East is East, uh, my beautiful laundrette, you know, some of these films which were very much embedded with being very British and very Asian. Um, and ones that, you know, when we were growing up, the ones that we could relate to because we saw many people like that within our families. And, you know, like I know with your stories about, you know, all your families up north and stuff like that, it's very <laughs> relatable with East is East and kind of like, um, but I've kind of felt that since Benedict Beckham and almost since 9-11, there's been a real focus on like everything is related to terrorism (laughs) or forced marriages (laughs) or forced marriages you know it just seems to be like it seems to almost be that the 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 uh, the tv companies and tv stations are finding that the easy option for um uh asians to be represented on tv because it makes it the most uh viewable for an outside asian audience to uh to want to watch i guess because it's like that's the stereotype that we live under in the newspapers as well so that's what they want to see from us. And we're not, we're not much more beyond that for them. It's a sad state of affairs because, because of what's happened, you know, obviously we were talking earlier about the communities and all being together. It's almost like since 9-11, um, we've wanted to segregate ourselves a lot more uh, from each other's communities because it's almost like that whole, you know, oh, they're terrorists. That's not what we're about. That's not our community. We don't do that kind of thing. Or there was like the kind of that, um, the three girls, you know, that, that came out where, you know, it was great to see because it opened up so many people uh, to see what was actually going on in Rochdale with the grooming, etc. Yeah. But it was also, you know, I saw a lot of Asians that were like, oh yeah, but that's not us. We don't do that kind of thing. That's not, that's not the kind of Asian I am. You know, I understand that. Um, but where's the diversity on TV to show both sides? The positive side of us as well. Yeah. You know, we've got to, we've got to also take, we've got to take a responsibility for us as a collective people um, on, on all these things. And I kind of feel like since, you know, since that time period, we've decided as a, a you know, within our own separate, separate segregated communities that, you know, we don't want any part of, you know, being labeled a terrorist or being told that I'm, you know, a fundamentalist or a radical. And so all of a sudden now I'm Indian and now this person is Pakistani or this person's Afghani or this person's Bangladeshi or this person's Sri Lankan. And it's because of that, it's, I think for me, it's hindered British Asians being reflected fairly in mainstream culture. I thought that was like a really kind of good insightful conversation about stereotypes and just how things changed pre and post 9-11 
Yeah, but what's mad is that was that was the start of 2018 when we had that conversation. And then in the subsequent two years, nothing much has really changed. We're still seeing those same kind of programs being made for television. Like Next of Kin's come out since then. Um, Bodyguard. Bodyguard, Informer. You know, all of these things are still all related yep. to the same things that we were discussing on that episode. And yep. so I was kind of hoping with that conversation, not that our conversation was going to change the fucking world or anything like that, but you kind of think that are we going to progress as a community with how we're being represented on television? And if anything, it's just remained stagnant since then. Pretty much, You yeah. know, we did speak about Man Like Mobin on that show and how that was one of the pluses and that has still been one of the big pluses on television representing our community. Um, Ackley Bridge was the same, but, you know, for... You know, for every Ackley Bridge, there's, uh, you know, The State or, you know, these kind of shows and stuff. So, yeah, we have to find ways to change the narrative. Um, and as you mentioned, it's about, you know, making the big decisions on top to reflect that. It's about getting, yeah, getting Asians to to write the stories and then getting Asians to commission it. Yeah. That's what we need. Yes. We need more Mindy Kalings in the world, basically. Well, there you go. And yeah. stuff. See what's happening in the States and see if we can, if we can re replicate it. If not, get better at it ourselves. Um, right. My next choice is something that's, um, you know, quite topical uh, because this week is actually the anniversary of the death of Blair Peach. Uh, now, for all those who don't know who Blair Peach is, listen back. Episode 7 uh, of our podcast from Season 1 where I discussed the story of Blair Peach and how it was a real significant story for uh, particularly people growing up in West London, um, especially people who lived in Southall. And it, I think one of the things that I found really interesting from it is the reaction I got from people um, saying that we'd never come across this story before. We'd never heard about the story of Blair Peach before. And because of that story... Um, it raised awareness about him with us. And I thought that was, for me, like I said, the, you know, one of the reasons for doing this show is to, is to communicate to our audience on things that don't get discussed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this was a story that was really important to me specifically. And I'm glad I got a chance to share it with our audience. Um, the jury after all the proceedings, all the trial had gone through, actually returned a verdict of death by misadventure, which means the whole force basically walked. Blair Peach's girlfriend at the time, Celia Stubbs, campaigned for the next 30 years for a public inquiry into his death. Um, and this report finally got published on April 2010, the original internal inquiry. Now, this concluded that Blair Peach was almost certainly killed by one of the officers, and that they'd lied to investigators to cover up all their actions. They identified the likely killer by a pseudonym, Officer E, but concluded that there was not enough evidence to mount a prosecution against him. So although his family didn't get any justice from it, they at least felt vindicated by that continual fight for justice. And as something confirmed by everyone is what they initially believed in, that he was actually killed by the police. Um, Celia Stubbs actually quoted herself saying that Blair was not a martyr, nor a cause celebre for the left. He was a dedicated teacher, a committed trade unionist and anti-fascist. He was a good, funny and loving person to his family and friends. He was a socialist 
who believed passionately in fairness and equality. He supported the Bengali community in their protests against the National Front selling their newspapers in Brick Lane, demonstrated outside a pub that would not serve black customers, and even been instrumental in getting the National Front headquarters closed in Shoreditch. It was his social beliefs that took him to Southall, and it is amazing that he's remembered by so many people. Now, I feel there's a lot of people that do remember Blair Peach, but for me, there's a lot of people that don't, especially people in and around Southall that haven't really got a grasp of what their parents' generation went through to get them to where they are today, the hardships they endured. It's an easy life for a lot of people that grown up around those, that area. And the history and the issues that that generation faced through the 70s and the early 80s and you know, I've heard stories from my mum and the, the, the looks they used to get from skinheads running up to them and calling them names while walking down south of Broadway. There was a documentary called The Young Rebels, which my brother was actually involved in. And I submitted my track um, about Blair Peach. You know, my, my opening lines were, who killed Blair Peach? The town still needs to know. Justice never stood a chance against policing codes. A lone teacher from New Zealand left this beast exposed. Now they're speaking code to leave us seeking feeble quotes. It's something that I really feel that today's generation need to understand and comprehend the story of Blair Peach and also what it means to be where you are today, if not for the fight against oppression, the fight against the far right that your parents' generation, people's parents' generation endured during that time period. And today, I think we're a, a more progressive society, but it's also because of the actions of those people uh, for me, it's a very important part of West London history. It's an important part of Southall history, Southall culture. And it's been 39 years and we still haven't seen justice for Blair Peach, which I feel is wholeheartedly disgusting. But at least his family can feel a sense of relief that the report was published. So it was evident that he was killed by the police and I think in some sense, they, they can put themselves at a peace of mind. But, you know, we still want to know who killed Blair Peach. That episode marked the 39-year anniversary of Blair Peach's death. But uh, you and I went to the 40-year anniversary march in London last year. We did. That was actually detailed in episode 33 of our podcast. So make sure you go back and listen to that. Um, but yeah, there was a, a mass turnout, um, loads of anti-Nazi League campaigners, um, lots of local council people as well. Um, yeah, just local residents as well. Yeah. People who remember that era, people who know the story of Blair Peach. It was really emotional doing yeah. that walk and seeing, 100%. you know, where he died, the corner that he died on. It's just, yeah, it was really powerful. Yeah. And my dad was meant to have gone on that march. Yeah, I remember you saying. And, yeah. you know, and he did go to the follow-up march, which was in honour of Blair Peach at the time. Yeah. And I just think that, you know, the things that our parents went through and fought for, mm. for our generation and for the subsequent generations, is, it should never be forgotten. No, absolutely not. And so, there were a lot of people who were martyred during that time because of yeah. it as well. And I think they shouldn't be forgotten. No, absolutely. And so, you know, it was our, you know, our plan to to showcase this story um, to to our listeners. And, and I was just really appreciative and grateful for the number of people that did come back to me saying, I'm so glad you told that story. I'd never heard that story before. Um, and since then, there's actually been a short film called Baramara by Dylan Shukla which actually has footage from Blair Peach's funeral and the 
the procession with 10,000 people that turn up for it, actual footage from there, which I'd actually never seen before. Wow. Okay. Um, I'd only ever seen stills. So if you can find that uh, online, I'm sure it's available out there. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that story is still being resonated today. Um, and if we could do a small part in helping people to, you know, find out about it, then um, I think we're doing our part. Definitely. And I guess that moves us on to my next choice. Mm. It's slightly more lighthearted choice. It's about our wedding. Oh, great. I'm looking at you just kind of like you're rolling your eyes. But yeah, so we did this across two episodes, actually. We talked I think about... there's only so much we could fit in uh, with one episode <laughs> with the chaos that was our wedding. So there was episode 11 uh, where we kind of set things up. And then episode 12, where we kind of go into a bit more detail about how the whole process happened. Mm. And the story of how we actually got engaged. Oh, God. Inadvertently. <laughs> it makes me laugh. It makes me laugh every time. It's a funny memory. And it could only have happened to us. And I will let myself explain it in this clip. So imagine, May, we, I went to see Jojo B's family. A few weeks later, both of our respective mums were like, uh, so when are we going to meet the other side? When are we going to meet the other side? Uh, there's only so much we can say no to our parents because we're good like that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, Harris then spoke to Jojo B. Jojo B spoke to her mum, blah, blah, blah. It's like a, a, like a five-way conference call thing going on in terms of trying to organize a time where we, these two parties can both meet up. And we eventually set it for August of 2013. Now, lo and behold, I was asked by my mother, of all people, so when they come over here, do they want to do a roka? Now, I've got no idea what a roka is. Well, neither did I at that point. But I asked you, and you asked your mum. Yeah, because I was like, mm, I, don't know, I don't know what this is. So I said to my mum, I was like, mum, his mum's mentioned something about a roka. My mum was like, oh! <laughs> I swear, it was on the phone, but I could see my mum's eyes. You know, I could just imagine them just like flash with happiness. She's like, oh, oh yeah, we can do that. Yeah, let's do a roka, huh? So at this point, I didn't really think anything of it. No, neither did I. And neither did you. Um, and it was only a week or two. No, it was the day before. Oh my God. I'm not even joking. The day before, I spoke to my friend and I was like, mum's they want to do like some roka thing tomorrow. And she was like, do you know what roka is? And I was like, no. And she went, you're getting fucking engaged? <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> that was from episode 11. Mm. <laughs> One that I look, look back on with much fondness. It's insane. It's insane how the story of us happened. Yeah. Our marriage. Exactly. Honestly, it just gets better if you listen to the rest of that episode and the following episode, episode 12. It's just the insanity of our wedding and how we lived through it. Well, the insanity of our lives are, are drawn out over the course of the last 49 shows. And when we come back on the other side, we will continue to look at the best moments from the native immigrants. See you on the other side, people. 
Swami Brackus, Jojo B, aka the Native Immigrants, congratulations coming out from the Punjabi Hit Squad. You've reached the big 5-0. 50 episodes of Native Immigrants podcast. Amazing that you guys have reached this far because let's be real, a lot of couples don't really reach this far with their podcast. You know, they've got to take a little bit of a left turn halfway through, you know, even like 10 episodes in. But it's great that you've reached here. Many more to come and wish you all the best in the future. Signing out, Punjabi Hit Squad. Hi, this is Nurad Chag and I just wanted to say congratulations to the native immigrants on their 50th podcast. As you know, I'm a big fan and here's to 50 more. Hi guys, I'm Amit. And I'm Seema. And of course, this is Kika. We want to say congratulations to the native immigrants podcast for their 50th episode coming out this week. We are so, so excited to hear it and so excited for the next there's been so much in there that we can relate to um, and we just cannot wait to hear what you guys have got planned next well done guys keep it up what's good it's your boy Pale Patel from Planet Pale a huge huge shout out to Mr Swami Barakas and his wifey Jojo B who have come up with awesome awesome content via 50 episodes of the Native Immigrant Podcast shout out to all of you can't wait to hear more Back to the second half of the Native Immigrants. This is Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. <laughs> you tired, Jojo B? No, I'm just having a little yawn. A little yawn. Brother, this is our 50th episode. All a yawn is is getting oxygen to the brain. That's all I was doing. Ready okay. for the next bit. Okay, we kick off the next half of this, indeed, our 50th episode, by looking at some of the finest moments from the podcast in <laughs> our own personal opinions. And so my next choice is a little bit unorthodox uh, because it's one of the very few episodes where we don't focus on anything really British Asian. Um, this was our Halloween show, <laughs> which is one of my favorite shows. Because um, <laughs> I wasn't on for most of it. <laughs> you, were, you weren't on for the second half uh, because uh, for the second half of that particular episode, I actually got my brother Ashish Gadvi to join us as we discussed horror films and how some of them are in fact quite related to the British Asian community. Yes, I don't watch horror films, so I just stepped out of that episode. Yeah, decided to just leap out basically <laughs> yes. from behind the sofa because it was so horrifically uh, scary. scary for you. Uh, that was episode 29, so do listen back to that in our archives. But in the first half of that show, we actually spoke about Halloween for the both of us growing up um, and how we had some very differing experiences in choosing our costumes. <laughs> I know you, Jojo B, you get really deep into these, these festive holidays. I love this time of year so much. So again, like you, I wasn't allowed to go trick-or-treating. My mum and dad were like... We have a shop full of sweets. You're not going to go begging for sweets <laughs> at other people's houses. So I wasn't allowed to go do that. Um, but I did go to the Halloween parties at school. Oh, yeah. Cool, cool. And I did get to go trick-or-treating once. Though my parents didn't know because I went to a Halloween party in my friend's house. No way. And my costume generally tended to be a black bag that 
<laughs> like like a back bin liner that had had uh, holes cut out for my arms and my head. And um, a hat, a witch's hat. We used to sell witch's hats in our shop uh, at Halloween time with like little kind of attached green hair. Right. So that that was usually my costume. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, sorry. You can't go that much further without addressing the key point here. A black bin bag. Yeah, because that's what witches wear, isn't it? You know what? The, the witches of the North seriously had some real... <laughs> welfare issues <laughs> them brooms weren't working for them ladies if they had to one year i went as a indian princess and i just put a suit on i literally can't i literally can't think of anything sadder this, you know like how low rent my family were when it came to <laughs> was an indian princess i'm just gonna pull on a punjabi suit <laughs> fuck me yeah, I'll, I'm going Halloween as a young schoolboy <laughs> and just want to go in my fucking uniform. Yeah, this is my parents said so this will be the best thing. Happy Halloween, everyone. So inclusive. This is the reason people voted for Brexit. <laughs> it's because we used to turn up in schools in just like Indian garments and be like, yeah, I'm from Agrabah. <laughs> oh, it was good times. The adventures of a young Jojo B uh, evidently displayed out in public there. I wish I had pictures. My parents never took pictures of those things. The thing is, if you hadn't even told me, no one had even known about that and your oh. life wouldn't have been this massive embarrassment. No, it's not an but, embarrassment. They were good times. I'm not embarrassed. Mm. That was that was Newcastle in the early 90s. Well, anyhow, you uh, get our baby when he's of age to <laughs> dress up in a similar way. Literally, my lawyers have the paperwork ready to finalise. Oh, we could do two years worth of costumes. We could just cut a bin bag in half, wow. like a back bin liner, and then use it as a cape one year, one half wow. one year, and the other half the next year. It can be Dracula both years. Okay, my next choice. My next choice. I'm really proud of the show that we did. Mm. I'm really proud of the show because at the point where we made this show, there wasn't really anyone else talking about this. Um, within our community mm. that I know of but there was not really any other podcast talking about this I was really glad at the reception that we got for it yeah. and also just the fact that we spoke about it and it is um, episode 14 where we discuss Asian attitudes towards the LGBTQ plus community Another issue that they're facing within their own community the LGBTQ plus community is racism which I found astonishing so they're, they're from two different sides, they're getting discriminated against. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's disgusting. So not only is it that, they're also from society as a whole facing prejudice as well. So actually it's a three-pronged attack. Wow. You've got the South Asian community being prejudiced against you. You've got society as a whole with some of its ignorance being prejudiced against you. And then you've got the racism from within the, the community that you think would accept you, which yeah. is the LGBTQ plus community. So there's, there's kind of divide there as well in terms of the clubs that they go to, the way that they're treated when they go to mixed clubs, you know, mixed race clubs, that is. Um, and they're just, they're, tr they're still treated as other, even in the community that has has faced so much prejudice itself and should yeah, understand what it's absolutely. like to be, to be discriminated against. They discriminate against their own as well. Yeah. Because there's hierarchies, when, with, within all of these kind of communities, there's hierarchies and those hierarchies like to keep someone below them. They like to keep someone else down. Yeah. 
And I think the South Asian community, because we already have so much pressure and so many problems with our own community, and I guess the the people from the South Asian community who are LGBTQ+, maybe don't have the confidence naturally to be a, be out and be who they are yeah and be and, and you know and just be able to be themselves and so it's easy to kind of put them down even more yeah yeah I mean, and that's the way that's the only way that i can think of it happening why would i don't understand i can't get my head around it why it would happen but yeah, it does because you, these are people that have already been discriminated against for centuries now um and they're doing it within their own communities against bame members of the lgbtq plus community white privilege is rife within all areas of life yeah, and i guess this is no different we started that episode when we started researching it mm. just looking at what south asians think about the gay members of the community then we came across these really interesting articles about racism within the lgbtq community itself yeah and it was just mind-blowing yeah because it was not something that I mean, I don't know about you, but it's not something that I had ever thought about. I just, I'm really proud of us for having that discussion and bringing it out there. Yeah. And I think that was one of the most positively received episodes that we had. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially from members, Asian members of that community yeah. themselves. Yeah. Uh, we followed it up the following year, episode 33, which was a Pride special. Yeah. Uh, and showing uh, how much it advanced basically within our community um, and our attitudes as a whole towards the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah, there was a whole load more um, Asian celebrities that came out. Yeah. Which was a really positive sign for, for everybody Definitely. within the South Asian community. Definitely. Um, and this year and for every year of the Native Immigrants, we'll continue to do a pride special at the same time of the year. We're very proud to be allies. Absolutely. Um, and hoping our community can be a bit more open in their ways of thinking. But something also big within the British Asian community is music. And this is a subject area that I said on our very first episode that we're going to be talking about quite a lot over the course of our tenure. And we hardly spoke about it for the first like season <laughs> and a half. Um, what you know, episode number is it? Episode 38. <laughs> oh my God. It took us 38 episodes to it talk did, about the one indeed. thing that actually brought us together as a couple. Yeah, you'd think <laughs> the rapper and the radio host would have spoken a bit more about music. <laughs> oh um, but God. no, it took us that long to address it. I just think because we, we speak about music all the time, but in order to, you know, to progress what's happening within our community, there's so many taboos and, and serious topics and every show was a serious, serious subject and things that were happening in, in, in society and current affairs of that time. And so to dedicate a whole show towards music was like, yeah, we'll get onto it. We will get onto it. And it eventually took that long before we actually did. Um, but, you know, this particular show was a history of British Asian music, but we are going to be focusing on a much larger more in depth yeah discussion about british asian music over the course of a number of shows uh but for this show we at some actually, point at some point yeah <laughs> um but we discussed a, a particular track on this one show oh, a track that we also spoke about in episode three as well oh, and i just feel that if there's another season of the native immigrants then we need to talk about this song once again no But at the same time as 
the Asian underground movement started to make a real name for itself in the late 90s. We also had Bhangra artists that were mixing other vibes of urban music into their sound. You mean like Punjabi MC? Specifically <laughs> Punjabi MC. I thought we weren't going to talk about this song. Well, we're not going to be talking about that song, that specific song. Okay. We, I, well, I say that. We, we probably have to touch on it because if without beating around the bush, it's probably the most important British Asian track of all time. <laughs> Fine. Do you know what? I don't have a problem with the song. I have a problem with that being the only song that's ever discussed. Yes. That's yeah. why I'm like, let's just... Let, I mean, we just it's a given, so let's just not talk about it. Well... Okay, so we spoke about this on episode three uh, of last season. Mundia the Bachke is a track that we're obviously talking about here. Uh, and that we do love the track. As who doesn't love that tune? Um, but... You know, our issue was why is it the only track that's being used uh, when, especially with describing Asians in the UK or adverts or TV programs, it's like the only track ever used. And, you know, the point we're making is we've got so many other, like we've already spoken at length about a whole number of tracks in the last 40 minutes or so. So, you know, we've there is more to our culture than Mundia Tabachke. Yeah. Um, but it is the biggest track of this entire our entire lifetime is of that British just because Jay-Z jumped on it is that why no I no I don't I th the, the Jay-Z thing for me only really or the, the only thing it did for me was take it outside of the UK to parts of the world where it could never reach if you're talking about the UK that track was humongous from when it first came out and legalized all the way to this day and no one ever plays a Jay-Z version I never hear that being played anywhere apart from like if they're trying to showcase it on some American channel or something. Mm. You know, it's the it's a Knight Rider sample really that made that tune. It was the Knight Rider tune for years before it actually became mainstream. You used to hear it at weddings yeah, all exactly. the time as the Knight Rider tune. Yeah, and, and for me, because I'm Gujarati and I didn't understand what the hell we was talking about, <laughs> it was always the Knight Rider tune. It's the Knight Rider tune. And you know when that comes on, you're obviously going to get on the dance floor because it's a, such a huge huge track yeah so you know we could probably we could talk about this track at length but uh, we're not going to no because i think there is more to our culture than that one tune yeah you know i mean look at all the songs that we've already spoken about exactly thank you for that and moving on <laughs> <laughs> no further discussion needed yeah uh it's a it's a track that obviously we um team number of people have spoken about it at length um we don't need to delve in too much more about it but do listen to episode 38 where we cover basically the entire history of british asian music from the early 80s to this very day i love that episode yeah and like i said we'll be discussing them more in detail at some point in the near future but not that one well maybe no anyway so my next choice this was what i thought had been a good idea and i was really excited about and then like all things that i get excited about it turned out not to be so exciting <laughs> and this is from episode 42 mm -hmm. this is our dna results oh shit <laughs> Yes. Well, actually, it was an idea that Jojo V had that she somehow convinced me 
to participate in. Yes, because it was very exciting and really interesting. Mm, I was a little bit skeptical mm-hmm. at the time, as I am with most of Jojo B's ideas, <laughs> but this one more particular than most. But I decided to do it because I'm a loving husband and I want to feel like we've got a, a, you know quite a inclusive marriage where we both you know partake in each other's pastimes. So Jojo B had a, a massive brainwave in which she wanted to find out her past, her history, her DNA. Yeah, I've been wanting to do this for years, like literally for years. And I was like so excited about this because I finally just thought, do you know what? Just, you know, let's just do it. Let's just get on with it and do it. So I ordered some DNA testing kits from Ancestry.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we spat in the bottle. I did spit out some contents for this sample. Yep. And then sent it off in the post. Yep. And uh, you get text messages to like tell you where it is. <laughs> updates. So I got an, we got updates when it arrived at yep. the testing center thing. Yep. And then, you know, like we're processing your DNA and we're testing and analyzing your DNA. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. It's building up, building up, building up. Really excited. Oh, it's very exciting. I'm kind of on the other side of the brain. Yay. Wicked, and then finally yay. we got the messages to say, that uh, the DNA had been processed and that our results were online. You should have seen Jojo B during that day. Um, it was akin to us finding out that we were having our baby uh, last yep. year in the levels of excitement yep. in Jojo B's face. This is this is on holiday. This is why we were on holiday. This happened. Yeah. So yeah. while we were, at, we're supposed to be out there enjoying this uh, amazing holiday in an amazing location. I was enjoying it. Jojo B was actually more concerned about trying to find out her results. Well, listen, look, I was on the balcony, sitting on the balcony, looking at the sea, basking in the sun, and I got this text message. Mm. I was like, oh, okay. okay, come on then, let's have a look. Yeah, it was a, it was a delightful, gleeful smile in Jojo B's face. And we decided, right, there's no point waiting around till we're back from holiday. Let's find out your results now because you got yours in before me yes and i because i was like we should just you know we should do this live while we're doing the podcast we should like open it up live yeah and it probably would have been a really good reaction as well true yeah true um but i couldn't wait because i'm that kind of person and so i was like no i need to know i need to know Mm. so i pressed on the link yep to find out and so after all this time, after weeks and weeks of anticipation, the results are in. Yes. Jojo B. Yes. Your DNA results are, drum roll please. I'm 100% Southern Asian. Oh my God. <laughs> what a waste of fucking money. What a bombshell. That what is some... a waste. And it's not that it's a waste of money finding out that I'm South Asian. Fine. But South Asian is still quite broad. Mm. Like, where in South Asia? My friend did it. My white friend, very good friend of mine. She found out which specific part of Ireland she, her family were from. Like, mm. Which, like, 30% of her DNA was from this specific part of Ireland. Mm-hmm. The rest was from Essex and some other part was from Newcastle. And so she knew exactly where she came from. Yeah. Mine, Southern Asian. 
Yep. I mean, South Asia goes from what? The borders of Afghanistan all the way up to the borders of Burma, isn't it? That Bangladesh is next to. I believe. All the way down to Sri Lanka, all the way up to China. Like, come on. Yeah, it's it's fairly vast. I come can't on. lie. <laughs> like, narrow it down. No. Just 100% South Asian. I could have told you that myself <laughs> by looking in the fucking mirror. <laughs> yes. like, what, what on earth? What an absolute waste of fucking money that was. I mm. uh, Don't do it. If you're Asian, don't do it because those databases are bullshit. But the thing is, I've actually, we had some people that came back to us, Asian listeners of our show, that came out with other DNA company results and they were a lot more in-depth and a lot more detailed. Yeah, but then that one, that particular one, I remember, that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, It's exactly, not available yeah. anymore. But the only weird thing was my cousin texted me the other day to say that she had done it and she found me and that we were actually like second or third cousins or whatever and it came up. It came up as like... Thanks for letting us know, bruv. Yeah. So, you know, although I already know how she's related to me and that she's very closely related to me, Ancestry DNA confirmed it. <laughs> well, then, yeah. <laughs> who, who, who said, who said uh, that wasn't the worth the money we spent on it, basically, <laughs> to give us that, you know, really important piece of information? Oh, dear. But, yeah, what a load of bollocks, basically. Mm, but um, for my last pick... Uh, for our favourite moments. This is one of my favourite episodes, but also, once again, one of our most important episodes. It was episode 10 of the first season. We were talking about a number of different subjects and topics that we wanted to cover, and this particular subject area was one of the first ones that we said, we need to talk about this and we need to address this because... As with most of the things that we speak about on a week-by-week basis, no one else really is speaking about them without any filters. And forced marriages was something that was important to both of us. It was particularly important for that particular time period because there were some landmark cases with convictions for um, people that forced their daughters and their sons into marriage. A show that I would still love to focus on again for a future episode to see if things have changed and if things have developed. Um, But this part of episode 10, we decide to look into forced marriages, especially with how much it's connected to our culture. I think there's this ongoing fear. And although I think it's less than it used to be, but there's this fear amongst some families, a lot of families within all of the Asian communities, that their girls will be independent women Mm. and that they will be able to choose their own path in life. And I think forced marriage and the pressure to get married, even if it's not forced, but that that kind of pressure that we all get to get married is a way to control us. It's a way to keep the girls in line, make sure they don't step out of line, make sure they don't go down a path that, you know, the parents don't approve of or the community might talk about. And And I think that forced marriage is the extreme end of that. It's when parents do the worst to their child. And then beyond that is when they do so-called honor killings. You know, like it's all part of the same thing of trying to control the women in their, in their families. Yeah. I think within, we've got a, there's a, there's a very thin line I find sometimes between, you know, forced marriages and forcing a child to marry somebody and then instances like this where we spoke about the conviction, which is really slavery. It's, it's trafficking of girls 
to places like Pakistan, even here, that end up becoming slaves for the people they kind of marry into. Quite often it's so that those relatives that they're getting married to, those people that they're getting married to back home, wherever back home is, um, it's so that they can get a visa to come over here. Yeah, that also, And they place that importance on the male members of their families or, you know, you know, family friends or whatever. They place more importance on them and their visas than they do on their own daughters. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. It's disgusting. So yeah, it is slavery. It's selling their ch- their children into bondage, basically. That was just a short clip from episode 10, focusing on forced marriages, because I really encourage everyone that's listening in right now that hasn't listened to that particular episode to please go back into our archives and listen to what we have to say. It is a subject, like I said, that's not being spoken about um, at length at all in any media platform. And, you know, we covered so much within it in terms of the cases, in terms of our experiences. And it's something that I think I feel a lot of people can relate to because we're living in such close communities. Unfortunately, there are circumstances like this happening throughout the UK and not enough is being spoken about within the community to stop it. Um, And it needed highlighting. And we will continue to highlight that cause and continue to speak about it until changes are eventually made. I think that can often be hijacked as well by kind of mainstream media platforms. And it's really important that we as a community talk about it from our own experiences and ensure that we have the understanding from within our communities as to what is going on, as to how our culture works, and then try and make the changes in a way that will actually be sustainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that ownership that, you know, our community does something wrong and that we need exactly. to fix it. Exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. Absolutely. It's the, you know, it's that understanding that there is a problem. We need to fix it as a collective community. Absolutely. My last pick. It was an episode that was really, really personal. This is where I talked about my experience with a condition called hyperemesis gravidarum, which was extreme pregnancy sickness and nausea. And I, we did this pre- while I was still pregnant. So it was still very, very raw mm. for me. I was still still going through it at that point. It had just eased off a bit. Yeah. Um, this clip kind of gives you an insight as to what it's like to suffer from it. It affects your mental well-being in so many different ways. For me personally, the pressure of, I just started a new job. Yeah. And then we found out we were pregnant. Mm. And that came come as a bit of a surprise. And then this happened with the sickness and I had to be signed off. And here I am, I'm like, what are they thinking? Yeah, absolutely. What are they, you know, like, what impression am I making? And th- so that was on my mind. And then I found out that I, because it was my first year at work, you don't get um, a lot of weeks of company pay. I ran out of pay. I didn't get any company sickness. Yeah, sick you used up all your sick days, right? Yeah. So then I found out, and I didn't realize this at the time, but I found out afterwards looking at my wage slip, I've I'm on statutory sick pay. Mm. We can't afford that, you know. Like we need them every now that we're having a child, every penny counts. Yeah. And so I couldn't. I was like, what the hell's going on here? So then now that's made me very conscious of the fact that if I need to take any more time off because of sickness, I'm going to be on statutory sick pay. Yeah. At a much lower level than what I would normally get paid. Um, and for a lot of women that's really common 
And a lot, quite often, women are forced to end up resigning because they just can't return to work. That's crazy shit. Um, I'm for me, like I've got to a point. I got to about week twenty twenty one, and it started to settle down. And my um, management of it with my medication became much better. So I was, I kind of got to understand how what worked and what didn't work for yeah. me. For some women, it continues very strongly all the way through their pregnancy and they just cannot go back to work mm. if you're one of those people with a pick line and the drip stuck you know stuck to you every day you can't go and work can you yeah so this high premises can affect all of your life it can there was that time i just i just realized i didn't wash my hair for two weeks <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. there's things that you can't do i couldn't i couldn't wash the dishes because if i stood for too long because i wasn't eating I would, um, my blood pressure would drop and I would yeah. get really faint. Uh, also, you I could brush your teeth as well for I, a few days, yeah, I remember? Yeah, there was like two, three days in a trot where I didn't brush my teeth. Yeah, the washing my hair thing was partly because uh, I couldn't stand for too long. Yeah. Partly because I couldn't put my head back because that made me feel really sick. Yeah. And partly because the smell of shampoo and conditioner, any shampoo and conditioner, made me want to heave. Yeah, yeah. You know, some days I couldn't shower. But I, I use a kind of perfumeless shower gel, so that <laughs> wasn't too bad. Uh, but it was just insane. The things that you would normally do and that make you feel like a human, I couldn't do. And yeah. so that really, like, it just really affected my self-confidence and like, and how I th- thought about myself. Because I was like, what have I become? Yeah, because it would be a case of on a week by week basis we'd encounter another problem yeah. every week yeah. uh, over the space of almost like 3 months almost yeah um you know it would start with one thing and then you'd almost come to a point where you're overcoming these things and then something else would come along which you're unable to do that was affecting yeah. you or there was some kind of issue you know within your internal system yeah and then we had to go back to the doctors again and they you know recommend you other treatments or medicine etc yeah and then you'd get over that bit and you think right you're finally getting back to some kind of normality and you get hit with like another thing you know and it was it was constantly like if you'd thrown the whole book at you with every single worst side effect that comes from pregnancy you pretty much encountered all of them over such a short space of time as well i think the thing that really hits you and because i've you know i've been lucky i don't think i have suffered from mental health issues before um not not any that you know that i was aware of anyway um, but because my sense of kind of dignity had gotten and because I was cooped up at home, mm. um, I, you just, you feel rubbish. And I think for a lot of women, it can lead to depression. Yeah. You become so cut off from everybody and you're so, you feel so alone going through this. Although you were there with me and kind of, um, by my side, you had to go to work. So there was hours on end that I was by myself. Yeah. Uh, there was times when you would come home and you'd, uh, I'd be in the same position that you left me in. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't yeah. moved because I couldn't bear the thought of getting up yeah. and moving. And there's no way of explaining how how you feel because physically you're very tired and run down and you feel awful. But then mentally that affects you because you can't just get up and do normal things. Like I couldn't, getting up and going to the bathroom was really difficult at some, at some point because mm. I had no energy. Yeah. And I didn't know if I was going to fall down or, you know, if I was going to be sick again <laughs> and that kind of thing. And the fear of being sick again is just there constantly, eats away at you. Yeah, and so, yeah. And so like the anxiety builds up as well. 
Um, and that makes it really hard. And like I said, you don't want to go outside because you might be sick in public. So that's another that's another kind of aspect to that anxiety. And it yeah. all builds up. And so it can really kind of affect you as a person, whether you've had any mental health issues before or not, it very much can put you in that zone. Yeah. Um, people who have hyperemesis are more likely to have postnatal depression. Oh, wow. As well as prenatal dep- depression. We recorded that while I was still pregnant and I was going through a kind of slightly better patch of health at that point. Little did I know that like a month later it was all going to come back again. <laughs> and and obviously like I, I spoke there about how, you know, you can get depressed and you can have anxiety and all of those things. And actually now on the other side of it, nearly a year and a half after Bubs has been born, I'm dealing with the effects of PTSD from that pregnancy because yeah. of the hyperemesis and um, living with anxiety, again, caused by everything that happened during and after the pregnancy. Mm. So if you hear me talking about my anxiety now, listening back to that episode will explain what happened yeah. and why I got to How this it point. Kicked, kicked off, basically, um, in that instance. And if you've got a friend or a family member who is pregnant and going through something similar, then get them to listen to it because they will know that there is somebody else out there who's gone through it. Because when I was going through it, I didn't have that yeah and when i did find the pregnancy sickness support online that was my kind of lifeline for advice and for understanding that i wasn't the only person going through this yeah, yeah. um because it's rare but it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen well we like i said on subsequent shows you know we keep talking about the rarity of it but i'm now seeing and hearing of more and more women getting this during their pregnancies yep. And so, you know, it's it doesn't look like that much of a rarity to me. And it seems like if there's more people that are going through the same experiences by sharing and talking about it, we can help each other basically overcome it together. Absolutely. And if you're going through it currently during this coronavirus pandemic and you're stuck at home and you're isolated, um, it's hard and isolating anyway. But at this point, it's even harder when you can't have somebody come and visit you to see if you're doing okay. Yeah. But do reach out. Pregnancy Sickness Support are still there online, so you can still get in touch with them. They have a helpline. They have their Instagram. There is, There are resources out there. Get in touch with your family and friends. Don't suffer through it on your own. And if you need to see the doctor, go and see the doctor. They are still there for you. Yes. Ring them. Get in touch with the hospital. They have day wards where you can, if you need a drip, you can get on a drip. Um, there are still resources out there. You don't have to st- suffer at home and be sick at home on your own. Yes, absolutely, 100%. Uh, so 50 episodes in, Jojo B, over the course of our time here in the Native Immigrants. Yeah. There's been like loads of uh, things that we've covered, lots of things that we've spoken about. Um, there's so many more things that we'd love to talk about and love to explore. Loads of arguments behind the scenes. Yeah, absolutely. With, and with every show, it seems it seems to bring out the best of us. I've always felt. And A quick argument before we press on. Before we press on, yeah. So we're already heated, and you know, like the, our voices are already raised. So we're now able to project that out 
over the course of our recordings. In debate mode. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's. I'd like to think that we will still be here in another 50 episodes. Fingers crossed. You know, we, we always try to ensure that we will continue doing the podcast. But like the world is right now, you never know what tomorrow brings. Uh, and so, you know, we will continue to put out the shows as and when we can. It's it's uh, a little bit easier at the moment because we are on lockdown, which means that we're able to deliver these shows weekly. That may not necessarily be the case in the future, but we're both committed to putting out great content and discussing things that people don't want to talk about and brush under the carpet, especially within the British Asian community. Um, you know, since that very first episode, there's been so many different podcasts that have come out and uh, and we're supportive on so many of them as well, um, all discussing a, a, a vast range of different things and issues and concepts. Um, but here at the Native Immigrants, we've, you know, always stuck to our guns and always stuck to our principles and ensuring that there is no filters and there is no restrictions on the things that we do talk about. And I think that will be our ethos going forward for however long we do this show. Absolutely. I started your line there, didn't I? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, <laughs> uh -huh. it's an interesting thing <laughs> to talk about here. It's been a really nice little jug, jog down memory lane. Yeah. What's the, is it stroll, walk? Stroll? stroll down memory lane. I don't even know anymore what the phrases are because I'm just tired all the time. Yeah. But it's been nice to go down memory lane. Yeah. And I'm hoping that, and I'm really proud of what we've done. And I'm hoping that we can continue to make interesting content. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. Content indeed. that I would want to listen to, whether you lot listen to it or not that I would want to be listening to yeah. and that I can be proud of. Absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely. There you go again. Like so. <laughs> too many, too many, uh, you know, stereotypes on these shows. Um, we did put out on our social media, this was going to be our 50th episode. And so we've got some lovely shout outs from people um, from Mohammed, who said, congrats and keep going. I enjoy listening to you pair. Very relatable. Um, we also had my boy, Mr. V, the DJ, who said half a century worth of shows, big up, and said some clapping signs in our direction. Um, Mr. Tom Robinson messaged to say he wants to send us all love and the warmest congratulations and best wishes for the next 50 episodes as well. Lovely Tom, who supported us and got us on, got us on six music. Yeah. Six music. From day one, he's yeah. been a supporter of the show. And, you know, the places that we've been and the people that we've spoken to, through this podcast has been amazing and awesome and we cherish every single one of you. Um, also, Shalina Patel, who said, my fave episodes are the political rants, especially when Breeti and Sajid are involved. Keep telling it <laughs> like it is. Uh, we'll be ranting about those for a long time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but she also highlighted uh, an Instagram page called Our Key Workers, which actually shines a light on BAME efforts during COVID-19. And so they're looking for ethnic minority key workers and they want to hear from them. And they showcase them basically on their Instagram page, which is at Our Key Workers. Um, something that obviously we spoke about on our show are dedicated to the NHS. Yeah. Uh, especially now more than ever, we're 
seeing unfortunately more and more casualties of this illness from members of our communities. Um, and so this is a great way to showcase the people there on the front line. We'd also want to thank all the amazing friends of the show that have sent us in their messages, which you would have heard at the start of the show and during our halftime break. Um, thank you so much to everyone that's contributed to 50 episodes, uh, all the guests that we've had on, um, all the musical interludes. Shout out to Melzo, shout out to Nearest Jug, shout out to Zahir. Um, uh, shout out to Ash Gadvi who helped edit our first few shows as well. Big up yourself, I guess, as well, Jojo B. Thanks for the enthusiasm. Yes, thank you to you too as well. Yes, pat for, on your back. Yes, thanks for being here and for you know, yeah, staying doing this with me and mm -hmm. and all of that. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, and most importantly, it's thanks to all our listeners for tuning in every single week we love um, you you know because like you know every time we feel like we're in a position where this this show isn't worth carrying on for and we reach the level of doldrum that um takes the enthusiasm out of what we wanted to do in the first place we always get a message of encouragement we always get um a message of you know appreciation and it just, it snaps us back into that flow, into that rhythm of, right, there is a message and we do need to keep addressing it. We do need to keep talking about it and we need to keep on doing what we do. And so we appreciate you. We love you. Thank you ever so much for staying with us for 50 episodes. And we hope you continue to do the same for the next 50 and beyond. Right. Well, that is the end of this week's episode of The Native Immigrants. We shall be back next week, as always. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And we'll see you all then, people. Peace. Yeah.